Thank you. David, come on up. And Ellen, if you'll join us here, I'd like to uh, introduce to you some folks I've known for a while. And David's going to be bringing the word of the Lord to us in just a moment. David Brown is uh, the new executive director at American Baptist Theological Center. And if you don't know what that's about, that's okay. But welcome to First Baptist, uh, both of you. Thank you. Ellen, uh, we want to get to know you just briefly, you and David. And so I'll kind of go back and forth with some questions. But um, where are you from? Where did you call home growing up? Actually, Southern California. My father was an American Baptist pastor, and I grew up in El Segundo. What was his name? Ken Longmore. That's a well-known name to some of you here, Ken Longmore. So, uh, you grew up where? In El Segundo. El Segundo. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And David, where did you grow up? In the state of Michigan. I was born in Battle Creek, which is the cereal capital of the world. And, um, and then, cereal, uh, like cereal. Like cereal. Kellogg's and oh. Post and Quaker are all in Battle Creek. Um, uh, my father pastored a church close to that. I, I don't need that one. That's right. Good. Uh, well, that's you really got fortunate to from Michigan to marry somebody from California, don't you think? I mean, he, he married up. That's correct. Um, okay. A little bit of a question here on uh, growing up in El Segundo, California, as a young girl, maybe 10, 12 years old, what did you do for fun? Oh, gosh, you're making me go back a long time. Uh-huh. Actually, riding my bike. I rode my bike a lot. Well, I knew I liked you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you did a lot of bicycle riding. I did. I yeah. did. Elsa Gundo's kind of flat. So. That's great. And David, what about what do you do in Michigan besides swat mosquitoes? <laughs> well, uh, my young years, my young years were up in uh, Manistique in the northern peninsula, and there isn't anything to do in the UP. <laughs> that just. Um, so I had a good friend who was uh, from the Philippines uh, at that uh, stage, and we just. We went to school and studied hard, you know, like children do. Great. Now, there's a, there are good things. I've been to the UP and had a great time fishing. I could get, tell, uh-huh. go into fish stories, and I could tell about our dog Heidi that got sprayed with a skunk in the UP. But that's, anyhow, that's beautiful spot yeah. in August. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Ellen and David are former international ministry missionaries, uh, part of our American Baptist churches. Missionaries served in Europe for some time. David pastored here in Southern California. And uh, so they've sort of come back to Southern California. Mm-hmm. One last question. I like to do this. Can you pretend? It's a pretend question. Okay. I mean, this is pretend. Okay. So I'm going to stretch you here. But let's pretend. It's going to be hard to imagine. But let's pretend that um, First Baptist Church gives you not a cheap gold card, but a platinum card. So there's no limit on it. And you don't have to pay it back, and you get six months off. You don't have any responsibilities. You've got this platinum card. Ellen, what would you do? Boy. Um, I would travel probably back to Europe, to the Czech Republic where we lived, as well as to England and Britain. Um, And if I could use it to pay off some debts, I would for my children. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Good. David, what about you? Well, that was going to be part of my response is... um, is getting rid of debts that, uh, particularly educational debts of our two sons. Um, I would give, uh, well, I would, I would tap your resources on this platinum card for mission money. All right. Uh, true to, to give away. There would be some, some great, tremendous projects, um, ABTC being one of them. Great. Uh, and some other places that, uh, you know, we, we as Christians need to get out beyond ourselves as you're doing with your bridge building, uh, Project, and I think giving to missions is part of that uh, whole. Well, thank you very business. much. Let's give a round of appreciation and uh, David come and bring the word. <laughs> thank you, Steve, very much.
Let me thank you for your uh, support of the American Baptist Theological Center. I'm just getting acquainted with uh, the important, significant work of ABTC here in Southern California and across America and even around the world. Uh, some of you may know that uh, Steve is on our board and we are privileged to have him and his leadership uh, in our board. Uh, some other members of the congregation are on our board as well. I want to thank you for your very generous uh, gifts, financial support for ABTC, which uh, has gone beyond the call of duty and been very, very important. Uh, you'll see a blue insert in your bulletin that just is a brief rundown. Uh, that's just in case you need something to read while I'm preaching. Um, or if you don't get a chance to, if I'm too noisy in here today, then take that home with you for later. I would like to share just one short story that Jesus tells that is very confrontational and I think relevant to where we are these days. It's from Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It's a familiar story. I think you know it already. Jesus says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. May God add his blessing and understanding of this portion of his written word for us today. And may we pray together. Lord, as we come to open up the pages of your book that has been specially prepared and transmitted for us today, and through which your Holy Spirit speaks, I pray that you will be attendant during this time, that you will sharpen our minds and hearts to understand the full impact of this story for us here and now, in and through our ministry at First Baptist Church of Pasadena. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Imagine, I was asked a pretend question, here's one for you. Imagine that you are a member of the Springfield Baptist Church in Akron, Ohio. Small sanctuary, probably the middle part of your sanctuary is as much of a sanctuary as they have. Worshiping congregation, maybe 50 or 60 members. And about six months ago, they were invaded by about 50 Karen refugees. The Karen are a people group in the country of Burma or Myanmar who have been attacked by the Burmese government in an effort of ethnic cleansing. And so these Burmese uh, Karen peoples have been uh, uh, made homeless. They're hiding in the jungles, and many of them have come over the northern mountains and into refugee camps in northern Thailand. And uh, several months ago, um, several countries around the world have been uh, helping some of these refugees come to their own countries and get settled. And here in Akron is one center where there are thousands of these Burmese Karen refugees being settled. Los Angeles is another area. There are cities around America and in Norway and England and other countries around the world where this massive resettlement program is happening. So in Springfield Baptist Church of Akron, Ohio, one of your sister congregations six or so months ago, 50 of these resettled Karen refugees invaded worship. They came in their dress from their native country. Most of them did not speak English. 
as they came, they came because they are Baptists. And our Baptist witness is coming full circle with the Karens. These people, their grandparents, great-grandparents, and great-great-grandparents first got the gospel from Adoniram Judson, who was our first American Baptist missionary to Burma. And now they are being displaced. The church has grown marvelously among the Karen people, and now they're coming here, and they want to worship with their historic Baptist roots. Now, the question I have for you this morning, if you imagine yourself a member of that congregation, what do you do during worship service if your congregation is doubled by Karen refugees who are now worshiping among you? In this case, in Springfield Baptist, these Karen refugees have decided that they will not form their own Karen congregation but rather they want to be integrated into the membership of First Baptist. It changes dramatically the context in which First Baptist or Springfield Baptist Church ministers. We live here in uh, Los Angeles area in an international environment. What would happen here, though, if your congregation was doubled with members of a single foreign group that came here to settle and they wanted to carry on worship according to their own traditions, but also to mingle with your traditions here at First Baptist. Now, it's a question about how we minister in the field in which we find ourselves, in the context and community in which we are called to minister. And for that, I come to this text of Jesus. A man walking across the field stumbles across a treasure. And he reburies that treasure, and in his joy, he goes and sells everything he owns and buys the field. Now, we can talk about the joy of the gospel, as, Jesus, as uh, Steve prayed earlier, the joy of finding Jesus and the good news. That's part of what this parable is about. But really, this is kind of a trick story, if you think about it. That is, if you have a metal searching thing and you go out on the beach at Santa Monica and you and you cover the beach and you find some coins do you come home and sell your house and your car and everything you own and go and buy that portion of the beach probably not you rescue those coins and you take them home with you if you get a pirate map and you find a buried pirate treasure you loot the pirate chest. You take the money home. You still got all of your goods plus the extra treasure. If you go scuba diving to a sunken ship and you find some good treasures there, why, it's yours. You can take it home with you, I think. But here's a man who finds a treasure in a field and he reburies it and sells everything. He gives away everything that he is to invest in that field. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, I think perhaps one thing, or very significantly, Jesus is saying that the treasure cannot be taken out of the field in which it is found. The treasure adds value to the field. The treasure and the field must work hand in hand. And I think one of the very important lessons that Jesus is teaching us is that the gospel must be contextualized. Contextualized in the community, in the context in which we find ourselves. It certainly happens in our own lives when he invades us by his Holy Spirit. 
He gives us opportunity to grow and expand and, and uh, become a disciple as your new staff member is going to be leading you in disciple-making, spiritual formation and growth. That happens for the rest of your lives. It is the gospel that is naturally identified with your own spiritual development. But if we think about ourselves as a community of faith, as you are here at First Baptist Pasadena, how is the treasure of your gospel being expressed in your own community, out beyond your walls? How are you as a church adding value to Pasadena and the Southern California area and America and around the world? It depends on your own culture here and who you are and the gifts that God has given you for ministry in and through your church. And then it depends on your vision of how you see the community and the needs of the community around you and how you are investing your lives in that community and invading that community with this tremendous treasure that God has given you and entrusted to your care. The treasure must add value to the field in which it finds itself. I was in the Philippines a few years ago in the city of Iloilo down in the southern part of the Philippines and worshipped on Sunday morning at the Legenis Baptist Church. It's a little congregation, um, no windows in the buildings, of course, as Lily well knows. Uh, traffic is going by like um, 90 miles an hour in front of the building, so we have all that noise. There's a, a wooden partition between the pulpit and a little back room where the children go during the preaching. So they're back there playing games and telling stories and stuff. All of that noise is going on in this little community. Maybe 40 or 50 members who are there worshiping on Sunday morning. I found out afterward that that afternoon there are a group of about six or seven young people. These are high school students and young adults who were going to a neighboring village to carry on a ministry with the children in a park in that village. They were meeting with them, they were telling them Bible stories, sing songs with them, pray with them, and begin to meet their families. And their intent in doing that was to start a Baptist church in that village. Now, these kids who were just part of this congregation, this was not a congregational plan. It was just their understanding of the gospel in their field. Here's a village that does not yet have a Baptist witness, and we need to go and do that. And these kids took the initiative to do that. In this village where they were ministering on that day was the third village where they had done this. They'd already started two Baptist churches in other neighboring villages. Next Sunday, you're going to go down to the park here. And the question is, will you stay by yourselves or will you see that as opportunities to, brid to build bridges of love with others who may be in the park while you're eating? It's a tremendous opportunity for you to express the treasure in the field in which you find yourselves. There's a church in Phoenix, one of our Baptist uh, sister congregations, who was over in the Czech Republic one summer, uh, four or five years ago, one of their jobs was to help build some building, do some renovation in the church building in this town called Osh. And the other responsibility was to do a Bible school program in the park across the street from the church building. And uh, the women took some games to play and some crafts and that sort of thing. They went over to the park on Monday morning. And there were maybe um, 15 or 20 kids that were there that met with them. 
All morning long, they were engaged in typical Bible school activities, as we would know. On Tuesday, there were 40 kids. On Wednesday, there were 60. By the end of the week, they had almost 100 children in this park, learning Bible stories, singing some songs, playing games together, praying together, learning about who Jesus is for them. That group came back to Phoenix, and they were telling their church about their experiences. And one of the women who was on that team that went to Ash said to the church family, I didn't think about this, but we went over to the Czech Republic to carry on this ministry of children in the park. But you know, it dawns on me that there's a park right across the street from our church building. Why don't we start that kind of ministry here? It was an awareness for her that the treasure is important in the field in which it finds itself. So my challenge for you here is to look around your community and find out how it is that you are reaching out and ministering and what needs there are around you. For me, I am a man who has just walked across a field. Just as a brief introduction to ABTC. I am new in this spot. I've been here for about two weeks now. And I'm discovering the rich, marvelous ministry of the American Baptist Theological Center. It is a treasure in a very particular context. Now, of course, our ministry is primarily for students. Uh, Students not only at Fuller Seminary, but at other seminaries through the Southland. These are students who come from our churches in the Southland, but also come from across America. And there are a batch of international students at Fuller. We care for them. We provide scholarship money for them. Uh, We provide fellowship opportunities for their families to get together. We help them with ordination. We educate them. We do the Baptist polity course on campus here at Fuller. This is also an opportunity to minister in a very unique environment of churches. As you know, with all of the disruption in our denomination over the last couple of years and the splitting of churches, we at ABTC are in a central place to minister to those American Baptist churches of Los Angeles, the American Baptist churches who will stay with our uh, denomination um, through the American Baptist churches of the Southwest and Hawaii, the association right now, as well as those churches that are now known as Transformation Ministries churches. Their students, their families, as well as preparing pastoral leadership for all of these churches, not only here in Southern California, but across America. This is a very, very unique environment in which to minister. It is a very specialized context in which to minister. And as I get around and talk with people, I discover some of the riches, but also the challenges of ABTC here in this community. We also have not done any fundraising in the last um, 18 or 19 years, any specific orientation. And so basically the ministry has lived hand to mouth. And that's why we are so grateful for your financial support in the past and uh, pray that you continue to to, uh, keep us in mind in your mission budgets and your private uh, charitable contributions in the future. First, your responsibility is to give in and through your local church. Second, through your regional office ministries. And third, whatever is left, we are glad to take for the important ministry in which we are involved. So the question is, how do we become faithful 
in carrying out the treasure in the field in which we find ourselves. With unique circumstances, as with the Karen refugees in a, a particular international community with a large seminary right here in Pasadena, just a couple of blocks away, how is it that we carry out our ministry for Jesus Christ? I want to close with a story. It comes out of the Republic of Georgia. In 1998, the Russians began to bomb the area of Russia known as Chechnya and their, its capital city, Grozny. And when this bombing started, refugees fled from Chechnya up into the mountains and over into the Republic of Georgia, and they settled in an area known as the Pankisi Gorge. There were about 6,000 refugees who are still encamped up in the mountains. In the Cathedral Baptist Church of Tbilisi, the capital city of Georgia, a woman from the community had been up by the refugee camp that week. And she stood up in worship, not even a member of the church, and said, you Baptists need to do something about these refugees up here. And of course, the Baptists said, we can't do anything. We don't have any resources to do anything. There's some other problems between the Chechnyans and the Georgians as well. One of them is that the Chechnyans are Muslim and the Georgians are known as Baptist or as Christian, as Orthodox Christian. And so there has been this long tension between Christians and Muslims in that area. Very uh, um, a tense situation. Just a short time before this event happened, some Chechnyans rounded up about 10 or 12 Georgians in their uh, city of Grozny, took them to a football stadium, beheaded them, and played football with their heads. It's a kind of tension between Georgia and Chechnya. A woman from the Baptist church in Grozny uh, went to the marketplace one day. Their pastor had been kidnapped a month before, didn't know anything about him or where he was. She went to the marketplace and saw her pastor's head impaled on a pole in the marketplace. This is a kind of tension between Georgians and Chechnyans, between the Christians and Muslims in this area of the world. Furthermore, Georgia had been through three civil wars in the last ten years. Their resources were absolutely depleted. And so the Baptists said kindly to this woman who was visiting, we can't do anything, we have nothing to help such a large crowd up in the mountains. Christmas Eve came. The people came to that little Baptist church and they brought their gifts, is their custom on Christmas Eve. They bring little bits of, of food and some blankets and some clothing. They put it on the communion table and then after the service they distribute it to the poor in their number or in their city of Tbilisi. And that night as that congregation gathered for the Christmas Eve service, someone stood up and said, Where would Jesus be born today if he were born into our world? There was a long, pregnant silence, and then someone said, You know, Jesus would be born up in the refugee camp. And those Baptists who are just like us, after that worship service, gathered all of those things from their communion table. They went out the back door, and they went up to the mountain. They entered the refugee camp where the Chechenians were, and they said, here, we're bringing you this, these few things that can't help very much. Tomorrow we'll come back with more food and blankets and clothing to help you get through the winter. And the Chechnyans in the camp said, You can't come in here. You're Georgians and we're Chechnyans. You're Christians. We're Muslims. You can't come here. 
But they said, we know that you are people whom God loves. And we want to express that to you. We'll be back. Malkaz Sangulashvili, who is the pastor of that church and the head of the Baptist in Georgia, said, we made a lot of mistakes as we saw this treasure in our own field and how we needed to reach out. Through the months as we went up, word went around the world to collect money to help with this refugee uh, program in Georgia. We as American Baptists sent uh, several thousand dollars to help with them. And time after time, the Georgian Baptist little group would go up to the Chechenian refugees and meet them and find out about their customs and their ways, get acquainted with them, love them, building bridges of love. And about a year later, Malkaz was up in the camp. And he found out that there is a family in that camp that claims direct descendancy from Muhammad. And the head of that family is the head of the Muslims in that community, the Grand Mullah. And he met Malkaz and he said to Malkaz, when all of this terrible business is over in Grozny and we get to go back home, we're going to do two things. The first thing is we must rebuild our mosque in the center of the city, which has been destroyed. And the second thing we're going to do is rebuild the Baptist church in Grozny right next door. Because you've been the only people who have shown us the love of God. Friends, I leave you with this challenge. How are you carrying out the treasure with which God has entrusted you here at First Baptist into the field in which you find yourselves? You have some many great dynamic programs that you are carrying out in and through the life of First Baptist. Keep it up. Because it is your call to express the treasure in your own field. May we pray. Lord, we're challenged when we come to a text like this and a challenging story like this. And we don't quite know how to put feet on it, but I pray that you will give us many opportunities this week to discover the field in which we find ourselves to rely upon your Holy Spirit's empowerment to carry the good news that we know in Jesus out across the bridges of love that we develop, to touch others, to reach them, even as Lilia has done so with Lilia. May we find many bridges that will bring people to a saving grace of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.